so anyway, I'm, I'm looking at this thing everyone's talking about that you were talking about before we started. The game that has all the social medias enraptured. Everyone's into it. To be honest, it don't look like it's worth the money to me. No! It makes me wonder, actually, on some level, how out of touch I've become on social media. Yeah. Because this has been going on since, like, July, I think? (laughs) The first I heard of it was when Laura mentioned it just before we started. Right, the first I heard of it was when we were recording Dice Funk last night and it got brought up. I'd seen it going around on social media probably about six weeks and I kept thinking it was like, I didn't know if it was a Dice Funk spin-off or if it was like, (gasps) I didn't know what it was and I was really confused as to what it was. So I was like, I need to know why everyone's tweeting about like, Baseball people getting trapped inside giant peanuts. Eh? Have you gotten it, Laura? I've I've started playing baseball. Where did you get the money from? It's it's four hundred and eighty eight euro. <laughs> I don't know if we're looking at the same blaze ball. The 60 centimetre fireball with stand fire basket burning point, right? I didn't think that's the one you were looking at when I thought we were looking at the wrong ones. I found one that's like some kind of video game with a person in a Mayan outfit and a cop. Wait a minute. Is this one of those weed accessories you're looking at? <laughs> no, no. It, it, it looks like some sort of... Uh, it's like a fire pit for dickheads is what it looks like. Okay. All right. Yeah. But no, the other one I found <laughs> while looking for this blaze ball was that one Laura mentioned that has a a big frog with a um, a loincloth. I see the big frog now, yeah. The loincloth There's frog. There's a big frog with a loincloth called Guanbo. This is clearly the one they're talking about, right, Blazeball? Yeah, this is the one everyone's been talking about. Scarlet, the devil. She is a playable character in it. <laughs> the devil and a cop. Same difference. Um, not many characters from the looks of it. Literally about... Six. Uh, so we've started this episode actually talking about video games. Not the right video game, but video games. Well, I was talking about fire pits. I don't know what you were talking about. <laughs> I really think those weed accessory manufacturers are missing a trick on a blaze ball, though. Like, they need to figure out what that is and get it into production. I mean, if someone turned around to me at a party and was like, do you want to have a smoke of my blaze ball? I'd be like, sure, fucking hell yeah. yeah. That sounds great. I found some other blaze balls for a Nickelodeon show called Blaze and the Monster Machines. Now, these are just little plastic balls. <laughs> I mean, you can, oh. you can get them for, yeah, Mondo Blaze Ball, two assorted models served randomly. So a random assortment of two in a box you can get of them. So, that you know, get the whole set if you would. So- Currently out of stock. <laughs> What's the fucking point? So the Blaze Ball thing I keep seeing, I've mainly seen it from people that I play Dungeons and Dragons on Dice Funk with. Our DM, Austin, and one of our players, Chris, I keep seeing tweeting just bizarre, baffling nonsense things about like, you know when the Super Bowl comes around and people go, ah ha ha, I'm gonna I'm gonna make jokes about not knowing what the what the sport sport? What's the sport? It sounds like that when people try and talk about it. It's the oh, you're playing the sports ball. Except there is a game that is sports ball, the weird sports analogue. I mean, all I know is I looked up Blaze Ball, saw all the other shit, then you said spell it with an S, and then I saw that, and it looked like a. It, it looked so far removed from what I would think people were into. <laughs> it just looked like fantasy football, but baseball, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then I just. My brain just stopped processing it. If it. If it's. Too far away from anything I could be interested in. My brain will just not perceive it. It's like in Westworld when 
the bloke says, oh, I don't know what a phone is because I'm from cowboy times. The best I can describe it to try and like get the appeal of it across quickly is it's welcome to Night Vale fantasy football. It's what if you were following a fantasy sports league in your sort of surreal, weird, the rules of the universe don't quite make sense place. But with a, you know, collaborative player system that's almost yeah. SCP in in nature. Yeah, like the gist of it is you pick a, a fictional sports team that is based on like a real American town. Like the team that I support is the Philadelphia Pies. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, Philly, that's where you two are from. I'll, I'll check out the Philly team. I hear our team sucks. Oh yeah, the Philly Pies absolutely fucking suck. But like, they're not the worst team. And basically you bet fictional money on who's going to win these games. And like every hour there is a match and you find out whether your team won or lost. And basically, Basically, you spend your coins on voting on what changes to this, the lore and the universe are going to happen at the end of every week. And there is a lot of surreal things that can impact the play, like, ah, the weather when you're playing the sport. Good example. If there is a solar eclipse when you're playing your game, players might just get set on fire. Like, the, the solar eclipse may just set players on fire, and it's like, oh, our team just doesn't have that player anymore. It happens. It can rain peanuts, which will either be delicious or allergy-inducing for your team. That's not funny. No, no. No, I've decided I'm going to take personal offence at that one. I mean... That's fair. I'll be writing to your MP, Laura. <laughs> to my MP? Yeah. I don't think my MP is responsible for this game. <laughs> well, someone's got to pay the penalty. The ultimate price. So yeah, it, it's basically just weird, surreal fantasy sport. But where a lot of the interesting stuff has come out is the way that the developers and the people playing it have sort of gone back and forth developing the lore of the world and sort of shaping the narrative as they go has been really interesting. There's a lot of stuff in this that feels less like a video game and more like playing Dungeons and Dragons with a good DM who is willing to change the rules if you, if the players have come up with a cool, weird idea. Okay, I'm going to try and explain a thing that happened, and I'm still trying to get my head around this whole game, so I'll do my best to explain this. When you're playing, you can pick just, like, one player and go, hey, that's my player. Whenever they do good, I get, I get money. That's I've picked my player. There was a thing going on in voting where it's like, ah, whichever team's doing best at the moment can steal whatever player is like the 14th most favorited player. And people discovered in the mechanics, oh, there's nothing to stop me favoriting a dead player. And there was a dead player that was really good and that everyone was like, oh, it's a real shame they're gone. So one of the teams coordinated getting this dead player to be the 14th most liked player so that they could steal them. And the developers were like, fuck it, we hadn't planned for this, but okay, yeah, sure, you steal that dead player back onto your team. They came back to life, but there was a penalty. Now, sometimes when they hit people with balls, they get cursed. Well, and the curse then spread to other players. Like, yes, yeah. Anytime there seems to be something that the player base wants, it comes with some unforeseen consequence to the gameplay that dramatically affects it. And that's really interesting. Yeah, and and that's the thing that like I have been finding interesting about trying to follow this game is less the moment to moment I'm going to bet on a weird fictional sport Steam and more getting a say in interacting with these mechanics and the developers going, I really like that the audience, that the people playing have come up with a cool idea. Let's make that possible, but with a cost. And just keeping this weird little living story going. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah, it feels very much like a collaborative fiction exercise. Yeah. Which, and I'm always really into those. You know, I mentioned SCP earlier. I think that's a really interesting example of it. I talk a lot about 
uh, the Church of the Subgenius, which is a you know something that came around in the late seventies, early eighties, and really was sort of representative of this sort of thing that all sorts of other people glommed onto it and created little subsects, and some of them are horrifying, and you know it, but you can't really control it to some extent. This I like because the developers are, are able to take a really active hand in in yeah. charting its course and have a willingness to do that. Yeah, the, the game doesn't run two days a week. Like, it runs Monday to Friday and then Saturday and Sunday there's just nothing to do with the game and it very much seems like the developers are using Saturday and Sunday every week to be like, right, let's take some time to compress, like, what is the community up to? What are they aiming for? What are the things that the players are trying to achieve? What do we want to do with the next week going forward of the game? It is very much collaborative storytelling. It is very much trying to play off of the interesting things the other side is doing, playing back and forth. It's a real exquisite corpse of a game. Yeah. Like, the game itself is not really anything. Mm -hmm. It's the stuff around it that I... I'm kind of falling down the hole for a little bit. I'm just in enough that I kind of want to keep checking in, and I've just gotten about that far in. And, like, here's the thing. I don't have to actively be playing it, really, to do that. That's the thing. I... I kind of want to see the Philadelphia Pies do well. They're a shit team and I kind of want to see them do well. I like my one good player on the Philadelphia Pies called ja Jackson Buckley, who was the worst player in the game until a magical event was triggered that gave him perfect stats. He's the one good player on a shitty team. And Jackson Buckley has cybernetic arms that the community have decided, oh no, that's not what made them suddenly amazing. They just got confidence when they got the metal arms and now they're great. <laughs> Well, and another thing that's interesting about it is, like, you can buy into opportunities to buff teams and players, but it, it only increases your odds of getting that applied to it yeah. by spending your money in that way. And then there's an interesting thing that's recently happened, apparently, because there was concern over players being able to just hoard wealth. Oh, yes, I was going to talk about this. Yeah. And then and then, you know, be able to really dramatically impact the course of the, the game in some way because of their massive wealth. And so there's been a recent decree instituted by the players. Yes. Uh, the Eat the Rich Decree. Yes, the Eat the Rich Decree. Every week it takes the top 1% of players money and just redistributes it. Redistributes it to the other 99% of players. You do not want to be in the top 1% of earners because no, fuck it, we're taking your wealth. And that was a thing that the community voted on. That was a thing that was open to the community and they were like, yeah, we shall decree this. Now I'm not saying, but I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give people the opportunity to vote for Eat the Rich decrees. Yeah. I don't want to play it, is the thing. I have no interest in playing it. The statistical... I'm not interested in gambling no. as a, a thing, fantasy or otherwise. So I will never play it, but god damn, I will read every article, every think piece. This is 100% my experience, is I've played it for part of a week and I've gone, I don't want to play this necessarily anymore. What I want is like a weekly YouTube video I can watch that goes, what's happening in Blazeball this week? And I'm sure it's out there. Yeah, and, and if you are listening to Podquisition and you know that that channel that's really good at once a week going, here's all the shit that happened in Blazeball, I will once a week watch a video about Blazeball because I find this case fascinating, but I don't actually want to play it. If anybody out there is making like a really compelling weekly roundup, I want to know about it. I want to find the person where in like 20 minutes once a week you can go, here are the really cool moments that happened, and here's what you need to know about what has changed in the world, and you can just sort of leave it till next week. Because mm -hmm. I, I am engaged with the stories this is making. 
So yeah, that's that's Blaze Ball. I finally know what a fucking Dungeons and Dragons DM is waffling on about on Twitter all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks it's it, it's pretty it's pretty neat. I mean, I am intrigued. Yeah, I I want to engage with it without having to actually engage with it. How, how you doing over there, Jim? So it's like baseball. <laughs> yeah, it's like baseball. Okay. Actually, it is it's exactly like baseball in a way. I mean, if you're a fan of baseball, the only thing there is to do is spreadsheets and statistics. Jim, would you be more invested in this if we could, like, reskin it so it was about wrestling? Nah. If it, if it had some guns <laughs> in it, maybe. If it could shoot some monsters, like aliens or the devil. Hey, welcome to Podquisition, video game podcast. But, but not Nazis. We don't want to get political. No. no. But anyway... Right? Yeah, Laura's right to say welcome to Podquisition, because that is what this podcast is. Now, look, I've just gotten an email, okay? Right. This is potentially huge for Podquisition. Mm. Oh. Okay? Big opportunity. I've gotten this this offer of, of an expert speaker that we might be able to get onto this show as a little guest. Oh. Again, don't get too excited. This is just an outsider thing. But do you remember earlier this week, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez went on Twitch, played Among Us, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) I'm, again, not promising anything, but we may be able to have on this podcast a Kotaku expert available to talk (laughs) about the ramifications of this. For any questions about AOC's evening on Twitch, including how her stream was fundamentally different from other politicians, please consider speaking with a member of the Kotaku editorial team who are gaming culture and news experts. So I'm glad they sent that to me. Obviously, I'm going to get a ton of use out of it. Jim, at least that is more on point than the expert emails I get. I usually get emails that are like, hey, are you interested in the news about the new Panasonic uh, washing machine that got released? We have a washing machine expert ready to answer your questions. I get those too. Don't you worry about it. This is just (laughs) the first one I got that our audience might find funny. (laughs) I keep getting these fucking things from bloody Go Media. I don't want to listen to them. They're rubbish. What, I don't even know what that is. What what is Go Media? They're the G slash O Media. They like run Kotaku and a bunch of other websites, and they're just oh, they're like they, okay. they, they fucking put pressure on editorial and all that bullshit. They're a bunch of wankers. All right, yeah, no fuck. Their them. own staff have called them shitheads. God knows how many times. Yeah, there were a lot of layoffs that happened. That people were like, oh yeah, that's all on G O Media. At least they're given the freedom to talk that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Some people were making jokes about Go Media the other day, right? Yeah. And and I said, come on, lay off Go Media. And then Go Media said, who? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Good joke that I just done. Came up with yeah. it on the spot. Thank you very much. Um, that's my contribution to gaming culture. If Kotaku would like to speak to an expert <laughs> on sick burns and psychological warfare, let's face it, I just declared it, um, do consider having me on. Yeah, well, well done for AOC on that stream. Got fucking 400,000 people watching on her nice. first Twitch stream. Yeah, sounds nice. Doesn't sound nice. That's way too many people. I'd be fucking terrified. It's not enough for me. I need, I need people to understand. You need people to understand. Oh, yeah. 
once I get enough people gathered together watching in unison, they all understand at last. <laughs> Fucking open some goddamn eyes. Should we talk about a game we played together this week oh. that is vaguely relevant? It's to do with that news story we just mentioned briefly there. We played some Among Us this week. Yeah, Conrad's a prick. Conrad's a prick! <laughs> <laughs> I feel very attacked. He is a cold-blooded liar. Oh, Conrad, when he gets the power to kill, is like, oh, I'll go kill Jim and Laura first. Get rid of me competition. They were murders of convenience more than anything. That's the worst part. Did you happen to... Be there in a place where I thought no one would find you for a bit. Yeah, it was nothing to you. Your old friends and colleagues, <laughs> Laura and Jim, were nothing but meat in the way of what you wanted, which was to find all the meat and snap its neck. You are a monster. History's greatest thereof. My favourite bit was when you had killed me and Jim, and you were getting grilled about had you done the murder, and you were there like, oh, what does a dead body in this game even look like? <laughs> oh, what, is, what does a dead body even look like? Oh, 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 is it I'm that thing with the Bowen in it. I've, oh, I saw that. I didn't realize that's what a dead body was. Well, okay. So in my in my defense, <laughs> one of the advantages going into this is that I had absolutely no exposure to the game prior to playing it and had <laughs> literally no idea what I was doing. You had just murdered both of us. It showed you us chopped in half. Oh, yeah. His, basically what he's saying is, is his heartless and immediate murderous <laughs> rampage was based purely on instinct. Yeah. <laughs> But what 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 wound up uh, transpiring there is I would be using the defense of I don't know what's going on, and it would be coming from a place of truth. When I said I didn't know what a dead body looked like, what I was saying was I didn't know what a dead body looked like when it was discovered. I didn't know if there might be a graphical change that occurs from the moment that I kill the body and don't stick around long enough to, to look. This is the thing. Conrad knows just enough of, of the game to be like, I know how to ground my lie in the truth so that it will be believable. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't exonerate him. It's like, oh, yeah. oh no, I wasn't like, I wasn't completely lying. I just used little elements of facts to make my lies more believable. Oh, that puts me at ease. Me and Jim, <laughs> when we were dead, were just like sat messaging each other during the interrogations being like, comrades are fucking shit. Oh yeah, I got a message like just cheeky little shit, just regularly. <laughs> Oh, it was, it was upsetting to watch. Well, and, and the game really unfairly cast me as the imposter a lot. We played, what, like seven games? You spent most of the, the stream as the imposter. Yeah. Here's the thing. This game either goes one way or the other, because I've watched people stream this for like two to three hours and never get to be the imposter once, and then you just, yeah, you were imposter over and over. Yeah, it was, it's, it was frustrating because, I mean, I was immediately suspected every time after the second time I was the imposter. <laughs> <laughs> I could only play dub so long. Uh, and I really did have to leverage dub. You, you were getting good at killing by the end, though. Yeah. You were good at finding spots where bodies would not get discovered for like a minute and a half. Mm -hmm. You could be like real fucking far away with an alibi before a body got found. Yep. Uh, my big problem was like keeping track of the map mm. and where everything is located. I did start to get a little bit better of uh, orienting myself. That is something that gets easier with time for sure. Yeah, like because once you get to the point where you can clearly describe a route that you took 
to get to somewhere. Yeah. And you don't even have to actually be there because no one really knows where you are unless they're there to see you when the you know yeah. body is discovered. Exactly. As long as you have a plausible story. <laughs> right. Uh, you can you can work off of that. But I mean, then the strategies are are really interesting, especially when you have like two imposters in play, as we did throughout mm. a lot of it. Because you don't communicate directly with the other imposter, but you can, in the course of the conversations, lay down some subtle indications to the other person about what you might do. Yeah. That's really interesting. And when you're a ghost and can still sabotage, you can really fuck shit up. Yeah. One of my favorite things about having more than one uh, killer is when you can allow the other person's murder to create an alibi by for you yes. strong enough that people think that you are oh you're definitely innocent you're definitely not a killer because you have a perfect alibi because the other killer was doing it correct yep and like those those moments are really satisfying i love when trust gets engendered towards one player yeah. and that was something that i got to you know leverage a lot in the later games because suspicion would automatically turn to me which was great because I would be able to shield the other imposter from it and it wasn't a big deal if I got ejected I would still be able to contribute in some way to helping us win but I would know for sure if I did it right or the conversation went the right way that that person would be above reproach for a while it's a good game. It's, it's a good game if you can get the people together for it Mm -hmm. I spent most of it dead I wouldn't know how good it was (laughs) Yeah, everyone getting ready to blame me because, of course, they would. Right before the stream even started, spent most of it dead. You were getting killed a lot. I am very sorry. Your first experience was quite so murder heavy. Well, <laughs> I got to understand how the game started to work in the last round because I stayed alive for a while. Yeah, I, I'm sure if if we played again at some point, you'd have a slightly better grasp of what was going on. I think I've got it now. Yeah, it's a weird game to try and stream because we streamed it. We streamed it at uh, Twitch.tv/slash. Okay, buzz. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did. Lots of people came along. It was lovely. Yeah, it's an odd game to try and stream because of the fact that so often most of the people you have on the on the Discord call are doing their own things and not able to talk. And like I think it worked, but it you've got to sort of set your expectations that this is gonna be play a game by ourselves, come together and talk back and forth, which takes some getting used to. Oh for sure. I mean I, I I'm fine with that. Uh, I actually prefer that mm. because my I would like that my uh, online chat interactions, even with people that I know, uh, will be limited to what's necessary for the purpose of the game. And so the structure of this game lends itself really well to what I want. Yeah. But it is it's it, it has to be interesting to watch streamed. Yeah. Um, as a viewer, because you really only see one player. You get their sort of sense of what's going on because they can provide commentary. Yeah, and and obviously, like, they're getting a a different insight to everyone else playing. Because, like, for example, that very first round where I was the imposter right off the bat, Mm -hmm. as soon as all the mics were, everyone was muted, I was like, oh, shit, oh, shit, everyone, my heart's racing. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm fucking terrified. I'm not good good at the pressure. And, like, it was quite interesting glancing at the chat and being, like, seeing them try and be reassuring while everyone else is, like, 
like off doing their own things. <laughs> I feel like the number of people we had, eight people, was a good number of people for that game. Yeah. But like getting eight people together to do a game is more than I usually do for games. Mm-hmm. I like that it's only like three pounds on Steam. Usually that is a barrier to, oh, I found a really cool multiplayer game, but it's like 30 quid and I don't want to go to like a bunch of people and go, we should play this game together tonight. It's going to cost you 30 quid to, to pick up a copy. It's it's cheap enough that you can go. Yeah, sure. I'll 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 buy it to, to play it for a night with people. Yeah, you could plonk a fiver on it, and it's not a big deal. And and you get your money's worth out of a session. And yeah, yeah. It's it's a real interesting little game. That yeah. Also, Jim, someone made a clip of you going and hitting that big red button. Well, what was I expected to do? There was a big red button that said emergency meeting and was covered by a glass thing to be like, don't press this. It's covered by glass. That only makes it more tantalizing. If you <laughs> if you put a button behind glass, all I'm going to think about is, is pressing that button because that's a pretty fucking good button if you've put glass around it. Oh, Jim, what the fuck did you see? I saw a red button. <laughs> I mean, that, that was my answer. It was the truth. In a game about subterfuge, never had I been more honest in that moment than when I said I pressed the big red button because it was there. <laughs> it was very big and it was quite red. And and I pressed I didn't read what it said. I saw it and I pressed it. What, what more do you want, button. America? Yeah. Also, the one person we had playing with us with the most sweet and innocent possible voice was every time... Every time she was murdering within seconds, she was fucking ruthless. Mm. We're playing with someone called Wendy, who just... Every time I would, like, I'd leave the starting room and turn the first corner, and she'd just stab me and jump into a vent. She's very good at killing. <laughs> who else has played things this week? No one's played anything ever. No, not even you, nope. Jim? Not even Oni Shambara Origins? No, that, no, that was a mistake. I didn't play a game, I made a mistake. I saw that in the list and I said, that was that's a mistake, that can't be right. Yeah. You, you seemed so optimistic when you saw the art style last week. The only Chamber series is such shit. To even say I've got a fondness for it is to speak a little too highly of my opinion. But I always, I'm always curious because they are such shit. And every now and then one of them is all right. Um, and you're like, oh, okay, this is... This is at least some sort of entertaining trash. This one had my attention because it's cell shaded. That's how easy it is to fool me. I saw it and it, I, saw, I thought, oh, well, it looks like this one might be good. Was it not? Oh, heavens no. It's just more on a chamber. <laughs> they always are. No matter how many I get, they always are. They're like Bombay bad boy pot noodles. You forget. <laughs> you forget and then you get one and you're like, oh, yeah. So... That was Onichandra Origin, the new one that was cell shaded. God, there's so many fucking... For, for a game that is just hitting zombies with a fucking sword, there are so many systems and, and bullshit in that, those games. Oh, yeah. Trigger the ecstasy meter. Oh, no, now you're covered in too much blood. That's something else that happens. <laughs> oh, Christ almighty. Time to clean your sword again. And the, the timing for the parries are so off. There's a flash of light and a, a ding noise, but apparently that means anywhere between, like... 0.5 and 2 seconds that could pass between the noise and the attack. That's how it felt. It threw me off every fucking time. I stopped. I didn't play very long. I stopped. It was a mistake. Own it, Chamber. It sounds like one. Yeah. 
What about you, comrade? What you been playing this week? Well, I, I I played some Hades. Oh, I was there for you playing some Hades. I did play some Hades. I was playing some Hades on my stream. I was having a real good run of Hades on my stream. Oh, the the best run possible, right? It was a real good run, right? I was using the gun and and I got the hammers, which gave me the burst fire. All right. mm. So I never had to reload and the triple bomb. Okay. So I'm in yeah I'm in good I'm in a good place here. Right now, the triple bombs got chill on the motherfucker, right? My attacks got hangover. My dash has hangover. Oh, and I've got the, the trippy shot, which is also dropping chill. I'm a beast. Yeah, that's not bad at all, is that's it? That's a real good build. Right. I go into Hades. Did I have all four? Uh, you were missing one I was of missing them. one. I was missing one death defiance. And I think I, uh, I just was down to my last one when I stomped the fuck out of him. Oh yeah, you fucking nailed your first fight against Hades. You, you, you killed him, you defeated him, you definitely beat Hades and progressed the game, and the game progressed. Right. Finished the fight like Master Chief. And then my PC crashed. Oh. <laughs> so, and here's the thing, Jim, before we go any further, how frequently does Hades autosave? Because my understanding is it autosaves Every room. Every time you enter a new room, it autosaves. Right. Every time you enter a new chamber, it autosaves. Yeah. So I don't know what happened to Conrad. I crashed in the menu where it shows you your game results, oh. but before progressing into the next chamber. The perfect storm. I assumed it was going to put you back to the room before you fought Hades or something. Mm -hmm. It did not. Instead... It wiped the entire run. Yeah. Oh, that is horse's ass. Yeah, the entire run just didn't exist. Oh, no. Yeah, that's real fucking not good. I'm sorry. That is... Oh, that... Oh, no. That's a real bummer. We were so fucking hype getting to see Conrad beat that boss on stream. Yeah. 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 And so yesterday in the afternoon, I did get back there. I did beat Hades again. My build was not as good or memorable because I don't really even remember what I had. I did use the gun again because I'm an American, obviously. <laughs> that's how that's going to go. Oh, but then I went to the next room and I quit the game because I was like, oh, cool. It auto saved in the next chamber. And I waited an entire day. I waited till this morning <laughs> to go and, and like see the end of the run and yeah. what that constituted. Yeah. And now I'm in the midst of my first run with heat. Well, yeah. Now you've got some options. You can you can play with heat. You can start upgrading your weapons and whatnot. You can turn those weapons into some fun new things. Yeah, it really... Well, it, it opens up the progression system, which now the progression system is actually interesting to me. It's frustrating that I had to play so much of it to actually have it feel like it opened up. Yeah, this is the thing. Like, a lot of my praise for uh, mechanically the progression system has been about what happens after you beat it the first time. And I'm glad to hear that that is making it more what you want. <laughs> no, and it's still not what I want, to be clear. But I, I, but it's at least there's more things to do. I see merit in the modification. Conrad, what you want is you want the sun to come down from the sky and give you an ice cream. That's what you want. I mean, I want that. That is it. That That's it. That's, what, you know, that's I mean, literally what you want. Do you not want that, Jim? <laughs> No, I, I want the moon to come down and give me a biscuit and ruffle my hair. Call me a call me a good person who's doing their best. What 
wonderful thing I've just come up with. But I do think it is very interesting, and I'm I want to play around with the various weapon types and their aspects and things like that. And I'm going to continue to play it for a long time. The progression system is still not would have been my preference in a game like this, but I I can see why it's fun and people are are enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Like y- you've made it to the point now that like I got really into the mechanics, which is mm-hmm. getting to unlock the different variants of the weapons. Some of those variant weapons are so interesting. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun and I am uh, looking forward to cracking into it. And I'm ho- I-, I suspect that means I'm going to have to like start talking to characters to unlock some of the other like aspects in there. Oh, for sure. If you'd um, if you'd have been doing that earlier, <laughs> um, you'd have been well on the way to getting some, some good stuff. Yeah. Uh, the-, the only one I can remember off the top of my head is... Achilles, is it? That's to the left in the home mm-hmm. home base. Uh-huh. Talk to Achilles a bunch. Yeah. Achilles is the person that will let you start getting the, the final forms of weapons, if I understand correctly. Just talk to Achilles a bunch. Okay. Yeah, I can manage that. Yeah. So, yeah. Fun game. I finished playing through Wickenfell this week. Mm. I continue to have a very good time with that game. <gasps> I forgot to put that on the list. I've also played it. Oh, you've played some. Uh, we'll hear from you first. How have you found it? Good, good, good. Enjoy a biscuit. Is what the moon would say when it gives me a biscuit. But Wickenfell's pretty good. I've been, I'm not, yeah. like, a couple of hours in. So I'm not like super yeah. duper duper far, but it's very charming. Yeah. It's clearly been made with a lot of love and attention to its characters and setting. Yeah. They've given it a really nice battle system. That's, that's nice. You know, you can see all the clear inspirations, but it works really nice. Um, really great music. It's got a wonderful mm. soundtrack. Really cute characters. I like all the, the characterization in it. Not a lot to complain about, really. It's just pretty good. Yeah. It's just a pretty nice, harmless, heartwarming palate cleansery thing. It's just a nice thing to be playing. The game's not perfect. I've got some little complaints about it. My main one is that toward the end of the game, enemies get a little bit bullet-spongy. The difficulty increase toward the end seems to be, let's give creatures more health. And I'm not embarrassed to say that I use the victory button that's an option in the settings toward the end, not for the boss fights or anything, but for like, oh, these regular enemies are taking way too long to do a regular fight and they're not really posing me a threat, they just have a lot of HP and take a while. Yeah, I'll just fucking victory through a few of those and go see what the boss fight at the end of this area is. And as long as you're not afraid to do that, I think that the game is consistently enjoyable throughout. Like, that is that is my major complaint mechanically. Other than that, I have a little bit of a complaint, and by the time that people hear this podcast, it might be fixed. So the pre-patch version of the game on Switch, as of about a week after the game launched, has a couple of weird omissions and little issues that are just disappointing and things to be aware of. One of them is, have you met Rook yet? Sort of bookish type. Might have met a couple of hours in. Uh, I think so. Your your second additional party member. Uh, Oh, maybe not. I've got two people. I've got the main character and then I've got um, with the black hair. Okay, so next character you're going to meet, non-binary character with he, him pronouns. The game, as it was about a week after launch, was just missing a line of dialogue that was supposed to be the line of dialogue that tells you that that character is non-binary. That line of dialogue just was not there because 
some kind of issue and was being patched in. Also, character you will know, Nell, your second party member with the black hair, gets misgendered at one point toward the end of the game, and it's not a deliberate, like, ah, we've written the character to deliberately misgender Nell. The developer just put the wrong pronoun in, which, like, look, I get that human error happens, but also when your game is really, really going all in on, like, look at our wonderfully diverse LGBT QIA plus cast. It is a disappointing thing to see slip through the net. And like, if it was just just the one thing or the other, and uh, I don't know. I had some tweets with the developer over the weekend shortly after seeing that mis- misgendering moment in the game, and the developer also, in a very quickly deleted tweet, made the same misgendering and then corrected themselves, and that oh dear. puts a little bit puts a little bit of worry in my head where I go, Do you, mm, you created this character, you created their pronouns, it's very weird to me that you messed it up in the final shipped game and also in a social media post that's a bit... I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. By the time you hear this podcast, those two little things might well have been patched. Considering how, like, this game is great I was last week, these are things I feel I need to let people know that will probably be changed by the time you play the game. Uh, Yeah, I I don't have any great insights, just I feel a bit weird about that. The mistake in the game is okay. Yeah. To make the same mistake while discussing the mistake is, I mean, that's that's not a position I'd ever like to find myself in. Yeah, and to have used the same incorrect pronoun again, like, it suggests from an outside perspective, and maybe I'm off base, but it seems like maybe maybe that developer who created that non-binary character has a birth assigned gender in mind that they keep slipping up and putting the pronoun of in in place rather than the they them pronouns that they themselves have decided are the characters pronouns and that's a bit of a shame but like again i don't want to i, I recognize that this has gone really downer and i don't want that to be the case like o- overall my my feelings about the game are that it is a really wonderful game i'm really glad i took the time to play it start to finish i had a fab fabulous time i think that all of the game's characters are really interestingly distinct from each other i think that the game does a really good job of varying up the enemy designs and the the narrative has a great payoff at the end just those are my little caveats I felt the need to, to mention. All right, well. Yeah, sorry if that was a bit of a downer. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> I mean... It's a good game. I still recommend checking it out. I still think it's well worth checking out. And, you know, it's it's not like this developer is CD Projekt Red. You've at least got a better chance of assuming that any accidental uh, gender faux pas were done in good faith as, as genuine accidents rather than a constant flirtation with the notion of transphobia. Yeah, yeah. This at the very least feels like an unfortunate mistake as opposed to CD Projekt Red mm, still playing around with with stuff. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, short version, you know how CD Projekt Red had that poster in a cyberpunk screenshot that was like a really fetishistic, here's a trans woman with her very veiny penis, very visible through the thing, trying to sell you stuff. And then they apologised and they were like, ah, oh, we're going to take it out, sorry, uh, you know, we we thought in our game world over-sexualization's just a thing. Yeah, someone did a cosplay of that with, um, a, a cis woman did a cosplay of that with a big glowing veiny blue penis mm. in her outfit, very clearly visible, and CD Projekt Red shared it as a, oh, one of our favourite cosplays. I'm and just fucking tired of CDPR. I'm just tired of them. The more this shit happens, the more I'm just like, I 
I'm just tired and I want this game to come and go. I'm Yeah. Here's the thing. Maybe maybe again it's just the social media person and all the people working on the game are fine and the game won't be transphobic at all or anything, but the problem is is with CDPR how many more strikes do they get why do they keep getting the special fucking treatment because they make the big shiny open world game that everyone's excited for drives me up the fucking wall it's just they act like they're so much different and they're like no they're a fucking they're a corporation like the rest of them also hey reminder for all all of the talk they've done of like customizable genitals and non-binary characters and whatnot your character's pronouns are tied to the voice you give them oh okay and that is something people have been told about and and they're like yeah we don't care that's an unfortunate thing your voice is your pronouns for their wonderful character creator whoa okay takes a bit of the wind out of the sails of the what they were sort of bigging themselves up for. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like they were trying to deflect from all of the accusations that they're a bit transphobic, but didn't really know the specifics of how to, how to do that. But there, but there are systems involved, you see. Oh, systems, systems. Yeah, there's systems involved. Yeah, and CDPR put the cis in systems. Am I oh. right, everyone? Am I... <laughs> CD Projekt Red, learn from fucking Saints Row 4 that came out, like, what was it, like, five, ten years ago? I don't know how long ago that game came out. That game let you put any any outfit parts on any body type with any voice. There you go. That's how you do it. Has anyone got something not grumbly to talk about? Uh, I played <laughs> some scary games to do make me do a poo in my pants. Oh, tell us about the scary games and if they made you do a poo in your pants. Oh, big old poo. Oh. Yeah, well, I'll say big old poo. It's like a little round one, like a little rabbit poo. I played Amnesia... Yeah? <laughs> like, do you remember it? Nope. Okay. I mean, if you'd have fed me a, a line quicker, we could have got through that whole bit quicker. Well, I, I didn't I didn't know if there was... I mean, I like... would have liked one of you to have said, did you like it? And then I could have said, I forgot. Instead, uh... instead you seized the punchline for yourself and then you <laughs> lied to everyone else and said, oh, I don't even know what a joke construct is, comment. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'd have continued and talked, but I, I was having a Pringle because I thought you were going to talk about something for a minute. <laughs> I thought that there was like a subtitle to Amnesia coming that, that you oh. were just going to clarify what you'd played. Oh. That's why I spent so long. Well, see, there's the, that's it. Like, were you going to talk about The Dark Descent or Rebirth, both of which I believe are on the topic list? But no, you're just mm, being all silent. Yes. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Which Amnesia? Yes, I played all of the Amnesia. I am doing it. I played Amnesia, don't you worry about it. I wanted to play a machine for pigs uh, again. It's the only Amnesia game I've ever played fully to completion. And it's got one of the best names of any form of media entertainment ever. Mm. I've talked many times about how I think a machine for pigs is a great name. um, Just because of the the sheer imagery it churns up. And that game overall, um, and it's not a great game, but as a... As an evocative horror um, experience, it's pretty do- pretty um, engaging, and the same is true of Amnesia: The Dark Descent. I mean, it shows its age now. I got the one on the Switch with the the sort of with Machine for Pigs and uh, the uh, Dark Descent, and that other one on it, Julie Et or whatever it is, Justine. That's it. And I went through the Dark Descent because I never never did finish it back in the day. 
got through it, actually finished up this morning. Um, I only had the last bit to do. And a lot of people say, you know, it's aged really badly, but I, I don't think it's aged that poorly. The, the games that kind of took major inspiration from it, because after Penumbra, this one was the one that really blew up for Frostbite. I think it was Frostbite that did it and was there for that sort of first wave of YouTuber reaction-y things, like screaming and playing games. Right. The Dark Descent was really one of the very first games that was latched onto in that way. And honestly, the games that kind of followed on from it, Outlast and stuff like that, didn't evolve the, the, the subgenre of horror that far. So it's, I don't feel like it's aged that much. There's some, there's more mechanical tightness in a lot of games these days. And going from The Dark Descent to Rebirth, which I did today, demonstrates some of that. But it's, it's still, um, in my opinion, a, a, a pretty interesting game, The Dark Descent, and very playable and not a bad time. It gets very disturbing. Almost all of it is, is in text and some sound effects and stuff. But it, it just covers just some, oh, ugh, like really skin crawly stuff. And that's what that game does better than any of the monsters and shit in it. Like everyone talks about the, the monsters that chase you around and you can't look at them because you'll lose your sanity meter and, and that keeps them scary because you can't get a good look at them. Um, but for me, it was when you're going through the main characters sort of, because they've got amnesia, as the title would suggest. So you go through where they've already been and sort of uncover what was, what the character was doing there the first time they were there in this in this castle, and it's just genuinely dis distressing in places. So I enjoyed it. There's some obtuse shit in it. Some here are multiple rooms with their own loading screens, so that you know a whole different areas of the castle. But we won't tell you which order is the best way to go in. So you might have to go in and out, like trying to do this and that, robbing Peter to pay Paul or whatever it is that means. I don't know. I'll Google it later. So there's some squiffy bullshit in there that will make you impatient. But otherwise, I, I, you know, it's alright. I wanted to get through it so I could play Rebirth which is what I, I did this morning. Um, I'm a couple of hours into that. I stopped to come here and do this. And that one is, people have, have been mixed on it. And I see why, because it is a very different, it's very different from not just Amnesia, but A Machine for Pigs, which was itself quite different. This is quite far removed from both of them, despite Rebirth being a more direct sequel to The Dark Descent. But I'm liking it so far. I haven't seen many monsters so far. It's just been, you know, wandering around in the dark. But then The Dark Descent was a lot of that as well. Um, just uncovering story and stuff. The general premise is sort of the same. You've lost your memory and you're going back through somewhere you've already been and finding out what happened. But instead of the original where you're uh, this character who's woken up and has got a letter from himself telling him to go kill this person in the castle and then you discover these horrible crimes that you and the villain got up to together. In Rebirth, you are on a plane crash and you were there with your partner and a bunch of other people on a, a, an expedition to Algeria. Plane crashes, you wake up in the plane, but as you leave it and find out where everyone else went, you find out that you were there with them and somehow ended up back on the plane. So then you play through that. And yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. There's been some nasty squicky corpse discoveries and things like that. Um, mm. I think I've I think I've been in areas with monsters. But the thing with with the I mean it was certainly true in Amnesia: The Dark Descent. Sometimes they just troll you by showing you a monster and then 
there was never anything there. They just said, ha, here's the character model. Did that scare you? Yeah, you thought it was a real monster, didn't you? Because it looked exactly like a monster, because it was. It wasn't a real one. You're a fucking idiot. That's what Amnesia <laughs> the Dark Descent like to do at times. But yeah, they, they've changed some of the things. Instead of collecting tinder boxes that you could just run around and, and use to set light to candles and lamps to light things up in the original, here you're given matches. So you can hold a match and that'll that give you a little bit of light to walk around with and you can use that to light candles and lamps in the dark but only for a limited amount of time because the match will burn out and you can only carry 10 at a time so they've made it feel a lot more restricted but you still get enough to where you don't feel at least so far to where you don't feel like your resources are being drained which i never find scary i just find irritating and each of the dark descent for me went the other way where by the end of it i had like like almost 40 tinder boxes um so i could just turn on all the lights everywhere here it, it feels a lot more restrictive but in a way that just makes sure that resources are a constant concern but not in a way where i'm like well i i, I just feel harassed by the game's resource requirements all the time and yeah it looks Better than The Dark Descent, of course, but not oppressive at all by today's standards. But it's a smaller game, and it looks fine. Hmm. Yeah. Scary sounds. Comrade, did you play anything else you want to talk about this week? Uh, I mean, just, I played Day of the Tentacle again. It's good. So you do that on a stream at That Conrad Zimmerman. That's right. I did it. Uh, I did the whole run, actually. The whole game. It, I, I forget that how brief that one can be if you just do all the tasks and don't spend any time fooling around. I even did spend some time fooling around. A lot of those old point and clicks were like that, really. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I went in and played the original Maniac Mansion long enough to, you know, like, kill one of the kids with radioactive steam to demonstrate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and still managed to finish it in three hours. It's a, a quick game. Uh, but still very funny, a lot of fun. I'd forgotten about the UI changes that they'd made for the HD remake and really liked those. That was pretty convenient. Did a decent job on that. But yeah, so still fun, still good game. You should play it if you can. Woo. Yep. Couple of quick newsy bits before we finish up. Mm-hmm. Do you remember a few few weeks, couple of months back when that UFC game had those full screen adverts that got put in like a month after launch into a paid game and everyone was a bit upset. I'm sure lessons were learned and no one would, would try and pull that again. I'm sure no one would try and put full screen unskippable adverts into a $60 game maybe another sports game after how badly that that went for them. And certainly not one that's going to have a much larger audience base of consumers coming in and buying it on day one. Yeah, I I don't think they would. Oh, look at this. It's NBA 2K21 in my hand. What? Oh, no. Again, Almost exactly the same timeline as that UFC game. The game gets released, gets reviewed, is out for about a month, and then the game added unskippable full-screen adverts. Do you want to get advertised an Oculus Quest? Here it is on a big billboard that's taken up most of the screen and you can't skip. Oh, boy. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sign me up. I can't wait till they jack up the price of games to 70 bucks. Yeah. The fact that this happened once and got negative response and that so quickly another studio's gone yeah we'll we'll try that again i don't care it's like oh 100% this is going to become a new normal yeah they they tested the waters and the feedback wasn't so negative that they didn't feel they could try it again 
just watch for this to happen more and more frequently. Well, this is the real test case because, I mean, so many more copies of NBA uh, was it 2K21 are going to be in yeah. the wild and affected by this sudden shift than the MM the UFC game. So if there's an inflection point of response and outrage that will change their mind, it will be on this product. So, you know, yeah. if you play sports games or if you play live service games, generally speaking, you should probably be pretty pissed off about this. Well, here's the problem. Here's the problem. You get these NBAs, your FIFAs and all of that. That's a very different audience to the audience that got up in arms and rallied over Star Wars Battlefront 2. Yep. Most of them won't fucking care. Yep. That's why that's why sports games get away with so much shit. It's why, despite the U-turn so many publishers did on loot boxes, EA still has them in FIFA. A lot of these companies still have them in places where they feel they can get away with them. Um, you know, you'll see it in the mobile space. You'll see it in the sports games. Uh, you'll see it among the fighting game community, the piss takes with season passes because they know they've got people over a barrel there. They know that if they want to stay competitive and have the latest characters and everything, they're going to have to sign up for a lot of fucking money. Um, that's why we're seeing these ads pop up in these games. Like I've been in this business a long time and I've seen this, this same dance. It's just a different tune every time. They will see how far they can push it. If they get limited resistance, they will keep pushing. Oh, I can tell you how limited the resistance is, because this story happened a few days ago, and as of a few hours before recording this, um, there is a response from, uh, from the NBA 2K Twitter account. In short, I'll read the full thing in a second, but it basically boils down to, oh, we didn't mean to put them in the pregame introduction, we'll fix that. Not an addressing of the adverts being in there full stop. And that's very telling. Yeah. As many are aware, in recent years, ads have been integrated into 2K TV segments. Yesterday's 2K TV placement impacted our players' experience in a way we didn't intend. Fucking did intend it. As these ads are not meant to run as part of the pre-game introduction, this will be fixed in future episodes. Thank you for your continued feedback. You're not saying, oh yeah, we probably shouldn't put adverts in our pay in the paid game that you paid for. You, you didn't accidentally... That was a month after launch. Someone put them in there. I like the bit where they say, oh, as people know, we've done this for a while. Yeah. Publishers love doing that. At some point, I might need to do a, an analysis video on the common... Uh, little weaselly excuses and validations you can find in corporate apologies. Yeah. My understanding of this particular one is, yes, they've had ads. They've not usually been this obtrusive. They're usually um, around the edge of the sports field. And it's like, okay, that's tacky, but that happens in real sports. Yeah, around the edge of the sports field where they're moving the goalpost. Ah, ha, ha, ha. But that's it. Like, they're clearly here trying to imply, oh, in recent years, we've had little adverts around the sports field on the banners where in the real world we have adverts. But like, oh, we accidentally put a full screen. We didn't intend to, but we accidentally put a full screen one before the game. And oh, it was unintentional. We didn't intend it. But you would not believe the advertising revenue we've been raking in the last couple of days. It's just crazy. Uh, $70. Yep. Game's going to be $70. Yeah. Look forward to that. Uh, it'll be $70. They have ads in them. And we will still have microtransactions, season passes, and half a dozen special editions per game, and most importantly, layoffs. Indeed. And last up on the docket this week is uh, an 
know me and you, Jim, we disagree on that Avengers game. I quite enjoyed the single-player part. I thought that was well worth playing. Oh, yeah. It, it, it makes me feel physically and emotionally sick. Yeah. But here's one thing I think we both can agree on. It is always a risk to buy a live service game on the promise of the live service content aspect that is not there at launch. Oh, Marvel's Anthem? Yeah, Marvel's Anthem. Yeah, so... I still think, I know I disagree on this with Jim, I think the single player content in Marvel's Avengers is worth buying the game to play, but don't buy it because of the live service stuff, because that has been pushed back into next year, and don't buy it because of the new characters they said they were going to add, because they've been pushed into next year, and oh god, this game's going the way of Anthem, isn't it? (laughs) This is what keeps happening. They do these live services, which, by the way, come with their own ongoing crunch, especially, actually, if they're successful. You just have to look up those stories from Epic Games and Fortnite. The crunch having to build these things because they're so directionless and desperate and focus-tested. And then, when it comes out... Rather than working on keeping the game ongoing and improving it and fulfilling the promised commitments of new content, they have to spend all their time apologising for and fixing the shit, the half-baked, unfinished tripe that they squirted out for $60, soon to be $70. And then we get into this position where, oh, we said you'd get these characters, we said you'd get this content, is now suddenly postponed until further notice because we have to deal with all of the complaints that came in following the release of this game that we thought fuck it we'll finish it later and that's the problem game industry you can't just fuck off finishing a game and finish it later if when you release it you have to spend your time fixing instead of finishing it that's why we're in that situation with anthem where let's face it they can promise they're retooling the whole thing all day long it's never going to see the light of day at this point and if it does it's not going to make a damn bit of difference the best bet this game has it's in a slightly more fortunate position than anthem is they can delay it until they can delay a big rebrand until next generation because they've delayed that too the ps5 and and xbox um, series versions Um, they can use that the next gen thing to push a big relaunch they can do a you know like the gta 5 director's cut thing the oh well this is the big upgraded thing to celebrate our big coming out on next that's the best they can do is spend this time working their asses off to make that game good (laughs) and then make a big song and dance about a next gen relaunch god knows if they'll do it they ain't got in my opinion they ain't got a great toolkit to start with given what the avengers is i still think the base game there is fun i enjoy the game that is there but like i i will acknowledge yeah don't buy a a live service game for the promise of its live service this had a single player thing in it which is why i'm like oh the single player thing i had fun with therefore i can justify it as okay to pick up even if the live service stuff never materializes (sighs) ah I think that's everything we got this week. I think it is. We did one. Yeah. All right, well. Laura? Me? Yeah, I don't know if you'd... I mean, if you want. Like, this is just... I'm not going to say you have to. This is The floor is open. If there's anything you'd like to tell the listener um, to, to read, watch, listen to, whatever, when they're done with this and might want some more stuff, by all means, the floor is yours. Well, you should check out all the things I do on at Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. If you can chuck me a dollar a month over there, that allows me to keep doing this as a living, which is a big help. Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, I stream on Twitch. 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Fridays on 
on YouTube. I upload episodes of Accessibility, which is a show about accessibility and representation in the games industry. This week we have an episode all about Ickenfell, and I am real happy with how that episode's turned out. Other than that, there's books. Uncomfortable Labels. It's about being an autistic trans person. It's out now where books are sold, or as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. Things I Learned from Mario's Butt is a silly and serious coffee table book of video game character butt reviews. I finished recording the audiobook of that yesterday, and it absolutely destroyed my voice, but I, I did it. It's all done. I've just got to edit it now. And then there's Gender Euphoria, which is coming out on June 10th, 2021. It is just a positive, nice anthology of non-cis people's lovely, nice, gender-affirming stories. So you should check those out. And then there's Pixel Squirt. It's about video game porn. And go find it on Pornhub. You can watch along at the stuff while we talk about it. Or you can listen to Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where me and my fiancé talk about things that aren't video games. We talk about board games and TV and music and all sorts of other things. And you can listen to Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, and seven. They're all self-contained stories. And congrats on that. I am. Hey, how about that? You can also find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. Uh, you can support me and everything I'm doing at patreon.com slash fistshark. Uh, you can hang out with me on stream Monday Wednesday, Friday, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern, right before Laura goes on. Today, I mean, it's already, you're too late, you missed it. We're, we're playing games together. Uh, so, you know, maybe, like, just follow the channels and you'll know. Maybe a VOD will be available if you missed it, or maybe just have to watch next time. Go follow and watch the next one. Right. But other than that, you can buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com. You can buy audiobooks from me at conradreads.com. And, uh, oh, Jim, you have a Patreon, don't you? Yeah, I've watched a Beano video three times. And you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash jimquisition that will support not just this podcast but the the video series i do as well so fucking bargain as far as i'm concerned Mm -hmm. yeah and that'll do you can laugh all the way to the bank with that and while you do that you can just sort of get yourself sit sat out of sit down and a cup of tea so we do another one of these next week bye bye bye